Hey there. Welcome to Casual Cognition. We're going to have a little bit of story time today. But first... We're going to talk about using pain and suffering for positive change. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the slings and arrows of toxic positivity. We hope very much that you enjoy this episode. We sure did have a lot of fun. And one thing that we discovered today was the only surefire way to avoid complete and utter despair is to check out the show notes for how you can support the podcast. Thank you. Hey, 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 everybody. Here we are yet again. Yet again, how do we make it each and every week? I don't know, dude. I really don't know. We must just be that dedicated. I feel like there are unseen forces guiding our hands and feet and butts into these chairs. The pronoia thing that we talked about <laughs> last time. There's a positive forces working in our favor. To bring us to you, our most beloved listeners. I hope you well, f- not only that, but there's not a single bad thing that exists in the universe. Everything is always happy and pleasant. Suck on and everything's my balls. great. <laughs> what you say? <laughs> oh boy. How are you so how are you doing today? I was I was hoping to uh that was supposed to be a hard segue, but you know I know I'm gonna... I know. I have <laughs> I have ideas. Uh well I'm actually doing pretty good. I yeah. had a rough day yesterday. It's one of the reasons I, had a I asked. Real yeah, I had a real rough day yesterday. It was just one of those days where, you know, you just the proverbial waking up on the wrong side of the bed, but like literally just waking up. Uh, okay, I'll I'll just I'll get it a little just to give a little more uh, specificity. Like one thing is, I really like to have my mornings. To myself I you know I we spend a lot of time in the um, you know the beta beta waves when it comes to we talked about the brain mm-hmm. brain waves in in one of our I think that was in the third episode yeah but like that's the like you know judging analyzing thinking kind of brain and we spend a lot of time in that and like i really i try to like not just go straight into that when i wake up yeah, you try to ease so into it so i like it. to have yeah i like to have time to myself like to just be alone to not have any input and to just like 
go into my body and and yesterday uh my girlfriend comes in and i mean it's really nice like sometimes she'll wake me up she always wakes up before me sometimes she wakes me up and it's really really nice uh and i enjoy it a lot but then like in this particular case i was already not feeling super good because like <laughs> the night before we had like a family dinner thing with all the flatmates we made a sh we made eight pizzas like uh and we had cake and all this shit so i was waking up not feeling great and then i she started to like ask me a bunch of questions and i could feel myself getting pulled into <laughs> the like making decisions and judging and analyzing and i was just like no <laughs> Uh, oh, man. needless to say, like I was already feeling bad and then I felt that. And then I just like fucking, I kind of like shut down and started to feel really bad. Um, and then, yeah, late. And then other, other things happened. We had the, we had to postpone the podcast, which was unfortunate. Uh, and just like all these, all this different shit. And it ended up just being one of those throwaway days, <laughs> like just yeah. a full, full day of just like wow this is fucking horrible and i couldn't i just couldn't get out of it but today i feel good that's good because it's um you were you were morally wrong for having a bad day you were ethically compromised don't you know that that is not prohibit or that is not permitted in our culture apparently <clears throat> I mean, Nate and I have been beating around the bush on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're talking about this weird, uh, and I, it feels like it's died down a little bit. Um, like re recently, I haven't seen as much of it, but I know it's just because, you know, we have our we have our echo chambers, yeah. and that's not one that I'm in anymore. But like, yeah. it's the idea of toxic positivity. You're also not in the United States, and I think it's extra bad in the United States. Mm. Yeah, that's probably true. Like here, here in Sweden, people kind of have like a like a comic acceptance of our like depression mm -hmm. problems. Like, oh, winter's coming. Like, we're not going <laughs> to see the sun for the next six months. <laughs> Better buckle down. <laughs> you know, just like. <laughs> and just kind of like so we're we're a, in this culture it's a little we're a little more aware of like the the depression issues mm -hmm. and like so it's not as much of a problem but but i think it's 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 really a, it's a fascinating it's just a fascinating uh like it's i guess it's like a movement yeah um in some sense it's like a self-help kind of um, thing I would like, say it's less of a movement and more of a response it's a response to the growing understanding around the widespread nature of, of mental health issues that are caused by things like trauma and um, you know just general neurological disorders and things like that um, even, oh, even and bad isolation diet. Oh, yeah, and sedentary stuff. lifestyle diet so, stuff yeah um i don't know if you remember this a little while back they've they've started to pull back on this so so hopefully the the trend will continue there but do you remember whenever there was a, a big push for like 
self-confidence shit in schools whenever we were going through. Maybe it's still there, mm, but... Vaguely. Like, whenever I was going through school, um, I mean, there was posters, there was classes, there was all this shit on, like, being confident. And they what, what they were doing was this weird approach of, like, trying to directly raise somebody's confidence rather than trying to, like like, raise the things that cause confidence, like, you know, developing right. skills that... Um, yeah. make you feel like you have self-worth and pursuing valuable yeah. relationships and stuff like that. They were trying to directly teach and, and improve people's confidence because they, the, a bunch of, a slew of psychological studies came out that showed how, um, how much confidence plays roles in success, just general life success. And I think yeah. it's the same thing where, now there's a movement to try and directly like induce happiness and and well-being into people you know just smile and have a positive attitude and you know there's there's a lot of like almost weird um underhanded things too you know i think we've mentioned before that you're not really allowed to uh or at least it's not generally socially acceptable when somebody's like, hey, how are you doing today? To be like, I'm having a shit day. <laughs> you know? Right. I'm not doing good. That's that's always just, I'm doing fine. How about you? Yeah. Nope, oh, doing good. Or at the very least, oh, I'm hanging in there. You know, like a, like a kind of vague right. thing like that. Like, And obviously, people don't want to hear about all your problems all the time. But, you know, I don't think that we as a culture really acknowledge the... Um, when we feel bad um, and we we're afraid of it and we try to avoid it and the uh, if we're having a bad day like you were having yesterday which is why I wanted you to to talk about that like one of the worst things you can do in that situation is just pretend you're not having a bad day yeah because then you're probably going to say or do something shitty to somebody else like when I have a day like that like, I know I'm having a bad day, and I contextualize my behavior based on that. I try to avoid social obligations. I I'll sometimes even warn people, especially like my girlfriend, like, hey, I'm, I'm really not in a good mood today. I had a bad day. I'm not doing all that great. Um, so, you know, if I, if I seem a little off, that's why I'm not upset at you. And yeah, and I just allow myself to feel kind of shitty, and and withdraw a little bit, and that's okay. You know, you don't have to when you're feeling bad directly combat the bad feeling. Sometimes you just need to like relax and remove the external situation if you can, obviously, um, and and just just let it be for a little bit, and and it goes away naturally. But people just feel. You know that they're not allowed to have a bad day. They're not allowed to feel bad, or there's somehow there's something wrong if they're not having a good day. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, so just to like jump back for a, st take a step back for a second. You know, when when we're talking about toxic positivity, like th there's this there's this idea that like 
and you know we've talked about this to a degree like it's a really interesting conversation because there's a lot of subtleties here um but when we talk about toxic positivity like this is the idea that negative emotions are bad yeah and we can just decide like we can just decide like put a positive emotion in its place yeah and we can just push away the negative emotions and then put positive emotions there instead and it's very different than like like there's this subtle difference because on one hand you know we've talked about how like oh yeah we actually have the ability to choose um in some sense like how we experience how we experience reality yeah and that's true but it's not just it's not like a fucking it's not like legos <laughs> like you can't just like take out the red piece and put in the blue piece like there it's a little more subtle than that whoa, because whoa, bro don't get into politics here this is not <laughs> oh fuck that was totally that was a freudian that slip a... right there yeah definitely uh wow <laughs> wow <laughs> sorry go on <laughs> it was just too easy oh it's super interesting well it's yeah definitely i should have said green instead <laughs> well uh, you, you said something on a previous podcast that actually pretty much sums this up a acceptance of a negative experience is a positive experience and the sort of chasing after a positive experience or the um the desire or the the craving more maybe not a desire the craving for a positive experience is a negative experience yes yeah exactly dude so and and i think there that's yeah like like you said like that really sums it up because if you're I mean, of course, like we want to wire ourselves towards gratitude and bliss and playfulness and all of these all of these things like we want to work towards spending more time in those states. But we can't do that by repressing and denying the negative emotions that come up. We can't just like pretend that those don't matter because if we just like push those aside there's those are those are like symptoms mm-hmm. it, right so so if we just try to stuff those down we're not we're not dealing with with the issues that are causing them yeah. it could be diet related it could be lifestyle it could be like as you mentioned it could be uh related to some different uh like childhood traumas or i mean that one's huge yeah. huge childhood trauma is like we have no idea how or most people have no idea how big of an effect our childhood has on the rest of our development and the thing is is like i i just as a quick little aside here i remember just just the like the visualization of like okay when you're a baby and when you're a toddler your subconscious like the 90% of the iceberg, you know, if you look at the, or, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to visualize it, but the subconscious mind, which is like, that's basically our worldview. Yeah. And that's like how we understand reality is through the subconscious. That is just wide open. Like it's just completely, 
every single experience that we have during that time goes directly into our subconscious. Yeah. And then as we grow and develop, we kind of like we we start to develop the conscious layer on top of that. And then that becomes a filter. And then only through like really forced repetition of certain ideas will they enter yeah. uh, the subconscious or like crazy um, transformative or traumatic extreme events. Extreme circumstances. Yeah. Um, and that's... Uh, I think that's that's important to to be aware of because you're not just gonna like if you had a super traumatic childhood you're not just gonna like wish away all the negativity yeah. and all of the fear like you can't just push that away yeah it's, it's not gonna go away it needs to be it needs to be dealt with and um, healed yeah face head um, on over and over and over and over again like you said it takes like yeah. it takes a lot of repetition and it, it it gets easier each time you deal with that sort of thing and you know the word triggered has become a, a stupid buzzword these days and i would like oh. to come up with a different term but there is a, such a thing if you've had like major traumas and suddenly somebody brings up something in conversation that reminds you of that or something happens during your day that gets you dwelling on that, like it can set you off into a kind of downward spiral. And yes, um, there's ways there's like techniques that you can use to to try and get yourself um, back to a level. But you don't do that by. Um, just pretending it's not there and just being positive and going out and going shopping or, or take a walk on the beach, go look at a sunset. It's like, like you, it takes some time. It takes some effort. Actually, a walk might actually be helpful. Um, yeah, exercise. I would actually, I would actually highly, highly recommend the walk. Yeah, exercise. As, I think. I think I've uh, my brother told me this one. I think it was Hippocrates, but it was like, the, it's like, if you feel bad, go for a walk. If you still feel bad, go for another walk. <laughs> this is the father of, of, of modern, modern medicine. Modern medicine, and one of the earliest uh, philosophers. I think he was a pre-Socratic philosopher, wasn't he? I am not sure on that, but I'm going to just say maybe. Interesting etymology behind that, too. Hippocrates, where we yeah. get the word Hippocratic hypocrite? Oath and also hypocrite. Yeah. Very different things. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. But anyways. Uh, where were we? Um, we were talking um, <clears throat> about how you can't just like shove something into the space where the negative feeling is and expect it to go away. Yeah, um, and, yeah, so that I wanted to I wanted to to piggyback on that and like cuz cuz the thing is is like I've come across people who are in that um like in the the toxic positivity and it's really it's really creepy because there's this creepy. there's this like there's this cognitive dissonance, yeah. you know? So, like, you can feel that, like, they're suffering. 
But then at the same time, they're like, you know, it's like, it's not so bad. Like, you know, everything's going pretty good, you know, like I'm healthy and, um, you know, I don't have to win. But like, but you can feel that like they're like having a fucking breakdown, having a mental breakdown. They're basically just listing off all the things that they can think of in their forebrain that will allow them to ignore the horrible depths of despair that they're trying to hold off. And again, it's like, it's this really subtle thing because it's, it's not gratitude. No. It's like, oh, it's not that bad. It's distraction. Kind of like, yeah. And it's, it's, or it's, it's a weird general, thing. like denial and disingenuous, you know? Um, I fall into this sometimes, not, not through like trying to be overly positive, but, um, I will, I'll try to distract myself. You know, if I'm if I'm in a really really bad mood, I'll try and like distract my attention with something, an audio book, right. a podcast, or a you know something like that. And oftentimes, right. what I'll have to do is I'll have to actually just like shut everything down, and I'll just have to like sit in silence in my truck yeah. or on a walk, and just like let my brain sort of work its way through what's going on. And I can you know, there's sometimes whenever. I'll literally be like just shouting in my mind really fucking mad hopping mad um and and i'll be like walking walking my dog or something and i'll do that for five or ten minutes and it'll my mind will go through the whole set and then it'll kind of get a little repetitive and then i can kind of be like all right you know i've given you your time <laughs> once, you, once you're circling around to old stuff, we can move on to other stuff. And I usually find that if I just give my mind a little bit to wind itself up and wind it back down without without judging it, without trying to control it, but also not like without like adding to it, um, which is gets kind of tricky to get. I know these these things sound kind of strange, like I'm fucking dealing with some kind of gorilla or something. But you can, with practice, do these, like, sort of subtle um, moves with your mind. So as long as I'm, I'm, I just sort of sit with it and let the brain run its course, let the mind run its course for a little bit, like I said, five or ten minutes, then I can put my focus on something else and it, it, I start to calm down. And oftentimes what will happen if I'm if I'm like in a really bad mood or if I'm really upset about something, I'll go through like three or four of those cycles. Like I'll find myself getting up, like being really upset, not being able to focus. I'll shut everything down, focus on that, whatever I'm I, I can't keep my focus off of. Let it run out for a few minutes and then I can get back to whatever I was doing before. And then maybe a couple hours go by or something and then I find myself my focus going back again and I repeat the same process and I do that a few times and each time it just gets a little less a little less and, and by the end I'm kind of laughing at myself because I'm like okay here we go again <laughs> right and you know yeah it hmm. one thing that I've learned about um like negative emotion through the through these processes um, 
Ramdas talks about this a lot. He usually talks about it in the context of anger. He talks about how he he's like, I don't say I'm angry. I'm here and there is anger, but I'm not angry. <laughs> you know, it's it's something like that, which sounds right. very frou-frou-y, but you know, this is he's this is Lord of the Hippies, well, Ramdas, but it's like that I, negative emotions are not necessarily a part of me and they can exist in sort of my orbit for a while for some hours or a whole day and you you, you know you can kind of bounce in in and out of them but it, it it's not it's not a part of me like intrinsically and I can tune in and out of that and um, sort of give it space to be without encouraging it and also without repressing it yeah, I mean that, that it's an interesting because if you think about that sentence, "I am angry." Yeah, like I am mm-hmm. angry. I am anger. Yeah, you know that is like that's a really. It's like defining yourself, identifying. Yeah, with exactly. Anger. Yeah, and that's why I really, I really like the viewpoint of of us as like as antennae antenna Mm -hmm. uh you know like or even you can it's really cool because we're like really complex antennas right Mm -hmm. so we have like the spine is the is like one rod yeah exactly but then you have we have all of these different um kind of uh, receptors mechanisms and and adjustment dials and sensors yes Yes, and 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 I think the it's super interesting because the the emotion thing, like there are literally each of these different emotions. It, there's an associated frequency to those. Yeah, uh, and so we can and we do have somewhat of the ability to turn turn the knob right yeah. and like kind of we can kind of sway it. But then of course like. When you get triggered, and oh yeah, oh my God, there's so much, so much to <laughs> to wrap around here. I mean, the, first of all, like you said, so tr- so the word triggered is being so like overused now, yeah. and to me that just tells us that just it's so telling where we are at in our society. It is because even if people don't actually know what that means, like that literally is just telling. Just it makes it patently obvious how traumatized our population is. Yeah. Like there's just so much trauma. And how little ability and, people have to deal with the symptoms of that trauma. Exactly. And then yeah, like, oh my god, that whole idea that like I have a right to not be triggered yeah. by you. It's just ridiculous. Like the only way that we can that we can get past these traumas are by being exposed to the triggers and being aware mm-hmm. of what happens when we become triggered and then slowly dissociating ourselves from the story that we tell ourselves uh in those moments. And and that's what I so I, it's interesting like the way that you deal with you know, having the bad days. Like I, I have a, a pretty similar process because I like, you can't really just like 
stop yeah. the mind from from going is it's gonna doesn't latch on to something me. it's gonna start it really and it doesn't really you can't really do it like you can you could try to focus on something else but then the thing is is the feeling is still there yeah. so what i've found that works well for me like once i get to a manageable state which is usually like letting that bullshit run for a little bit um once once it like starts to because like when you first get triggered it's like really fucking intense yeah right um and then so just trying to be as aware as possible during that process and then when it kind of like tapers off a little bit or like i when i have a little bit of space then i try to go in uh to the just the feeling in my body because there's always this really strong like this feeling yeah like a physical uh, feeling a physical feeling in my body yeah and if i just go into that and really go deeply into that then there's not anything happening in my mind anymore mm -hmm. and then by going in and and feeling and accepting that state i will slowly and depending on how worked up i am it might take a long time or it might just take a few minutes like sometimes if i do that like i can just be out of it in like literally a minute of just like curling up and going into the feeling and and just like feeling whatever that is and then i was just like wow i'm i'm good like i i i then i can let it go and that's um i don't know if if it's just it's amazing to be able to do that yeah, rather you can than physically affect your your thought patterns with with physical actions one of the things that i use to help me with that is like breathing just deep breathing yeah. is uh, down into the diaphragm that um will physically like calm down the uh the processes in your body which will like affect your brain from the bottom up so yeah <clears throat> you know there's a lot of little methods that you can use to help you with that um, and you know, one, one thing that I've got to do, you know, with the, with the anger, I already told you about that, but with like childhood trauma stuff, sometimes I'll actually have to like go through the situation, which is another type of, um, of weird, um, symptom from trauma. I, I usually call it, it's, it, it's um it's melancholy from the old mm. four humors system do you know about that mm. melancholy collar sanguine and phlegm mm -hmm. phlegm phlegmatic phlegmatism by the way phlegm fucking pisses me off as a word silent g <laughs> until it has a, su a suffix on it what the fuck um, yeah, it's so dumb. Yeah. And then also, I mean, just the pH thing. Yeah. Like, okay. just use F. Phlegmatic. Um, that means, like, stoic and and sort of um, um, non-emotional, non-affected non by exter <laughs> externals. Yeah. And um, then you've got a sanguine, which is the, the, the like... Um, charismatic and social and expressive and then you've got collar which is anger and fire and hotness 
And then you've got Melancholy, which is the one that most people have heard of, which is like sort of sad, down, um, reflective in a negative way. And I get in that, that mode a lot. And it's weird because, um, as you know, I have like a lot of different situations in the past that happens at, happen at different times. So I'm not always like revisiting the same situation. And it's weird, like, mm. when the situations will decide to pop up and be an issue in my brain. Sometimes it, it it's from something way back, like, in the in my more early childhood. Sometimes it's something that's happened within the past, like, five years. And I can't really predict, like, when something like that is going to hit me. Usually it has something to do... It, it's triggering. You know, something mm. happens during my day somebody says something shitty something um is difficult with me and i've got to like revisit the situation and yeah. not in a a dwelling sense of like oh my god woe is me <laughs> why have you given me this um but as is it's in the same way where you can kind of let the the angry mind run on for a little bit you can let the story play out a little bit and um, Eknith Ishwaran, one of my favorite uh, meditation teachers, has a line about this where he talks about meditation as a uh, method for healing traumas. And his, his way of describing it is like, and one day you'll find that the memories will come in and you'll say, come on in, do your performance. And you'll watch them do their show, and then you'll say, thank you so much, that was lovely, now off you go. And they'll walk right out without a second word. <laughs> and it's like, mm. it really does work, it really does happen. Like, one of my most effective methods for dealing with um, traumas in my life has been actually, like, revisiting them and and going through it. And it, it it's... it's not something maybe you want to just like dive into like, Oh, I'm having a great day. I'm suddenly going to think about the worst day of my life. But if the wave comes and you're feeling down about it and you find that that particular story, that particular situation is kind of trying to push its way into your mind, like let it run. Think about the yeah. situation. Think about what it did to you and have compassion with you for yourself. That was another big thing I had to do is like, um, I had to have compassion for my former my past self and how difficult it was in those times and then that translates to being able to have compassion in yourself in the present moment because you realize that like oh you know this is like this is an old scar i'm feeling from that situation and you can have compassion for your past and present self because you you can recognize the difficulty and then it, it doesn't become this sort of like self-pitying, negative, you know, continually downward traje- trajectory. You can actually get that positivity out of it. And you can get like a, a feeling of like, it's okay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's the whole like process is, I mean, un- unfortunately, we kind of have to go back and reopen the mm-hmm. wound like so depending on how deep it is like it can be extremely painful um but like yeah the idea is that each time 
if we if we go through that and of course like the best way to do it is to do it like with an actual trained therapist yeah that's by far the best way to do it um i mean you you and i have gone through like some different or i i shouldn't say that's by i mean yeah you want to work with somebody who you really trust and who knows what they're doing i'll put it that way um ideally Ideally, and of course you can you can go your own way and it it might just take longer or it might uh you might fuck yourself up even more i I don't think there's any there's any substitute you either need to have a therapist or you need to have a very close friend or family member that you can also talk that you can talk to instead they don't have to be some kind of trained therapist although one of my best friends is a trained therapist and i do talk to him a lot about this kind of stuff so i'm kind of cheating but yeah i've never been to a therapist but I have specifically you and Will, who I talk to about these kinds of situations, and I don't think there's any substitute for that. I kind of, I, I think you kind of have to have um, some kind of venting, um, verbalization process, you know, yeah. explanation. Because um, if yeah, you just I mean, keep it in your tough. mind, it can really get out of hand. And it's it's also tough because like when we were going through that, I I mean obviously I'm not a trained therapist, but like I uh, was well aware of the process, and I knew like generally what a therapist does. Yeah. So I wasn't putting my shit yeah. <laughs> into the thing, and that's what most people do. Yeah. Uh, they just put their own shit into the fucking cauldron, and then it just gets complicated. Like I tried my best to just be a mirror mm-hmm. and to just allow you to go through and come to your own conclusions and support you when I could. And like, um, so I, I, I mean, yeah, most people I don't think are really capable of doing that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not like, you know, blowing smoke up my own ass or anything, but like, I just, it's I think skill. I'm predisposed to, yeah, be, like just uh, having known about it beforehand and just being an empathetic person. And, um, yeah, I was just a little more predisposed to be doing an okay job at that. But what I wanted to just, uh, like wrap up. Of my, my thought from earlier which is that each time we go through these things because we i mean with with us like you and i know you did it with your friends and in your own mind like so with other friends and in your own mind of so much going through these same things over and over again but each time there's like a movement yeah and then you change like the process is like slowly changing the way that we feel about what happened yeah there's a because so much of the time shift yeah because so much of the time like the first thing is like oh my uh whatever my mom like didn't love me so obviously i'm worthless and then like that's now i go through my whole life okay i'm worthless right (laughs) but then uh, in this case, like, okay, going back through and go, okay, well, actually, now that I th- realize more, now I'm an adult, I realize, oh, my mom was, and this is just like, I'm just like making stuff up, but like, 
oh, she was a single mom. She had to work two jobs. So, uh, and she was under a lot of stress. So like, okay, maybe it's not that she didn't love me, but she, she didn't have the resources to spend the time with me that I needed. Yeah. So that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with my value. And even if she didn't, I mean, this is just one story, but, like, mm-hmm. even if it was true, like, because some parents are like, oh, I hate you. I wish you didn't exist, which <laughs> is totally fucked up. But that also, you can, you, if you go through that, you realize, oh, my, that person was extremely traumatized yeah. and they were projecting their own self-hatred onto me. Yeah. Uh, and then you can slowly go through and realize, okay, there's actually, that wasn't my fault. Yeah. That was, and then even more so, I mean, there's a lot of stages to this because then usually when you realize that, then it's like, okay, well, I hate my parents for doing this to me. Uh, so then there's the next stages of realizing like, okay, oh, they actually were doing the best that they could. And you go back, oh, their childhood was fucked up. And this is actually a propagation of a familial trauma that has been going on for generations. Yeah. That may have started in World War II or like from the Great Depression or, you know, there's all of these different things that can kind of trigger these. And we know uh, based on epigenetics that like these, these events, uh, f- environmental factors can change the way our genes are expressed and those can be passed down hereditarily uh, to the children of, yeah. of uh, that person. So yeah, like your trauma can get literally encoded into your DNA. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, okay, is that your fault? Yeah. <laughs> Does that make you a bad person? Yeah. Uh, no, that's no, no, it's not. And yeah, I, one of the things that I um, noticed quite a bit doing this is that when I first started kind of doing this work, um, it was almost like revisiting those parts of my memory. It was like staring into like a dark and frightening wilderness. Staring into the abyss, perhaps? (laughs) Well, the reason why I use the wilderness motif is that, you know, it seems like it's it's this forbidding, um, unnavigable, dangerous thing. Right, like there's actual, there's like... It's a scary thing. Things out to get you. Yeah, it's a scary thing. And usually, you know, people... The, those things that are out to get you are sort of your personal demons that are caused by this, you know, the bad feelings that come about whenever you face this. Um, and so you delve into that forest and you go out and you explore it and you wander around and you go back to it over and over and over again. And over the course of time and, and doing it, you know, repeating the action, you become familiar with the landscape of this forest and it no longer becomes mm. uh, this scary forbidding place and um what happens is that you find that 
okay, so I, I figured out that particular you know, navigation. So if, if I need to, I can go back into that place without getting lost down a negativity hole. But what happens is that life happens and life is full of challenges and difficulties and you're going to get into these negative spaces that aren't caused by some kind of easily identifiable childhood trauma or, or difficult to identify childhood trauma. It's going to be caused by you lost your job, got laid off. Um, maybe there's a global pandemic and you catch COVID. Um, you know, you, you run into these challenges and trials and difficulties in life. And then suddenly it's like, okay, you know what? I know how to be comfortable and step into this difficulty, into this challenge mm. without getting um, cowed. You know, you can be scared, you can be uncomfortable, but it like you've been there before in a different place you've gone right. into the darkness and come back fine over and over and over and over again so it gives you just a lot more courage i think to face the difficulties in life when you've already done the work of facing the difficulties in your past and mm. this is um we're already well into our our next topic but this is basically what we wanted to get into for for our next one was um how positive and and um how much growth you can get out of extreme negative situations and um or even just negative situations in general how much you can improve yourself as a human being and develop character by go, facing trials and then integrating them. You yeah, know? this is, yeah, I whenever I think about this, I always think about the analogy uh, from the natural world of expansion and contraction. So, like, nothing, there, there are no living creatures that are just, like like you can't just you can't just expand indefinitely you you're going to if you're a cell and you just keep on expanding you're going to explode uh it it just does it's if if you're if you're a creature and you just expand forever like you're going to you're going to get crushed by your own weight like there's a certain and and it's the same thing like on an on an emotional level like we we have it's like breathing you can't just breathe in forever you can't yeah. breathe out forever you have to have this expansion and contraction but but the ideal for us is that each time we breathe in we breathe in a little bit deeper we just push the boundaries a little bit and then we've opened up a new space but now we need to go back and integrate so like these times where we we contract and we go into ourselves it's also like you know going out and seeking the world and yeah. then going and coming back inside and integrating those things so yeah and it's super important because if we just either way like we got to have that balance right yeah you know what i think about whenever i think about this um and i love this as an analogy for a lot of different things but i think of 
exercise, specifically weightlifting. So when you when you do weightlifting and you feel the soreness in your muscles after a day of weightlifting, what you've basically done is you've broken down certain microfibers in your muscles and you because you've um, the expansion and contraction of the muscle under stress has created these little tears in certain parts of the muscles which are they're designed to do that and then the space in between those tears gets filled in with new muscle fiber and that's how your your muscles grow but without the the stress of the weight and the pain and trauma of the tear there's no space for new for the new muscle to grow and actually without using it without doing it it actually begins to atrophy because your body says oh we don't need yep. that so we're going to um we're going to take that muscle away because it's using it's using energy we don't need to we don't need to be using over there so yeah in in to grow your muscles you need to have a stressful catalyst you need to have the physical trauma of the of the muscle tear you need to have the expansion and contraction, the movement, and then you need to have the rest period. And that's like the sort of recovery, the integration period where your your muscles grow and, and become whole again. And now they're they're more capable, they're stronger, and they're larger than they were before. So I yeah. think that's pretty much a perfect analogy for how you can deal with trauma. And also, if you just sit there and do fucking curls every single day and you just work out your biceps every day, they're not going to grow. You're not giving them the integration mm. period. And if you use super yeah. light weights and you're never struggling, you're not going to grow because you're not yeah. getting enough of the, the stress catalyst. And, um, you know, then there's another aspect, of course, of like eating um, and, and feeding your body the right nutrients, which I, I would say in the the trauma space will be like like self care. Um, you know, mm. you're, you've got to you've got to you've got to move. You've got to not eat shit all the time. Um, so there's, I think that these kinds of negative situations are maybe even required for character growth. I mean, there's there's obviously like will willpower and discipline you can develop in certain things, but I would almost consider that just like a million tiny microcosms of what we're talking about here. Mm. And you know the uh, the the big things are are just the the macro of that because you're still just sort of going through a negative experience and then taking a rest, integrating it, and then doing doing the same thing the next day. That's basically the discipline process. Right. And, and you know, when you talk about character development, like, I, it's so important. Um, like, I totally agree because when we have gone through this process with ourselves and when we can really – because the end goal really is, like, going from a place of – non-compassion and non-acceptance of ourselves to acceptance and compassion right it's like mm -hmm. i accept myself for who i am what i am whatever that is i'm not gonna lay i'm not gonna it's not a process of making labels for myself and pretending that i'm like so 
positive and confident or whatever, but mm-hmm. like just accepting where I, where, how I am at any time. Uh, but then like when you talk about character development, like that also brings us into a space where we can have compassion for people who are in a dark place. There you go. Because those people that you run into who are shitheads, they're not, they're not having a good time. They're, they're traumatized. They're, they're fucking, they're having a rough time. And like, when we have gone through that with ourselves and realize like, you know what, this is okay. This isn't who I am. This is a reaction. This is a symptom to what's going on underneath. And if we can see that in other people, then maybe we can have a little bit of compassion for them and not take it so personally and just be able to try to connect with them on the deeper level of, of what we actually are, you know, as, as consciousness rather than as these fucking personae, yeah. uh, these masks and like getting super caught up in like, Oh, that mask is, that's a frowny face mask. And I don't <laughs> like that one. I'm here for uh, comedy, you know? not and tragedy, like... buddy. <laughs> so you better turn that frown upside down. <laughs> Or you get one of those weird ones that's like <laughs> smiling but frowning at the same time. Oh man. And one thing that I have um a couple of times now done is is I've tried to encourage people who are about to go through difficult things to try to stay open through it. And to try and and think about it in the context of like, okay, this is going to suck, but I'm not. I'm going to you know handle it properly. And you know, often oftentimes, in fact, probably most of the time, you don't see the bad things in life coming. But if you do get the chance to actually kind of predict that there's going to be some kind of trial coming, then take some time and do a little like intentional work with it like i know this is going to hurt i'm i know that i'm going to feel bad i know i'm going to have off days i know this is going to set me back in this way or that way but it's going to be okay that is okay i'm allowed to feel bad and i'm going to like integrate this into myself and and use it to make myself better and just using that intention and keeping on going back to that intention will really help you get through the negative time as well as integrate it in the end. Hmm. 100%, man. So, what about you, Nate? (laughs) I wanted to, uh, or we wanted to have a little story time. A little story time. Yeah, I've been wondering which, which one, which one to pick. Um, I figured I, I wouldn't I wouldn't lambast them with the most dramatic ones right off the bat. <laughs> we'll get there later, folks. We're we're just we're still warming up to all of our amazing listeners. Yeah, but I thought we're it might be shy. good. <laughs> yeah, I thought it might be good because this one is kind of unique, um, and I think it's a little more relatable for a lot of people too. Um, I think I, I I was thinking about telling about my um, my injury, the big injury. Mm. Because that was a physical and psychological trauma. 
and it didn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with somebody um, intentionally hurting me. Right. Um, so it's kind of a, in one way, it's weird and unusual, but in another way, it's very relatable because most people have had an accident somewhere where they hurt themselves physically, by you know, in some way. Yeah. And, or, you know, random medical problem that comes up. And it's like, okay, well, there's no one to blame here. But, well, as you'll see, I could potentially blame somebody. <laughs> so here's what happened. Um, interestingly enough, happened at a church camp, a church summer camp. Um, so we were out outside. This is kind of our free time period. We were all just hanging out, having fun. I was 15 at the time. So I was a, it was the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of high school. And we were hanging out with some of the older kids. Payson High School, where I, my, the first high school I went to, was chock full of enormous children. I mean, enormous, <laughs> huge people. I remember when I moved to Sedona and I was one of the biggest people in school, I was really confused because I was average, maybe a little bit below average in Payson. And people Weird. just didn't even believe me whenever I said it at first. And like, yeah, whenever um, I think it was Ryan came to Payson with me, or or maybe just saw one some of, of our my mutual friends. friends. Yeah, um, he was like, "Dude, what the fuck are you feeding those kids over there? You guys like put protein <laughs> powder in the water supply? It's like the land of the giants." Like I'm telling you, there was there was kids in high school, 17, 18 years old squatting 500 pounds, benching 300 pounds, six foot three, 240 pounds. I mean, I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I think there might've actually been some steroids going around in the school. Now that I look back for on it, I'm for... just like, eh, I'm starting to wonder if these kids might've actually been getting some steroids. Cause there was a couple of kids who ended up like getting caught for steroids. Um, hmm. So it might have just been, you know, some some schools have cocaine, some schools have steroids, I guess. <laughs> so the reason why I say this is because we were, um, we decided to, to basically like have a little foot race where some of the younger kids got on the shoulders of some of these older, massive kids. And I was on the shoulders of this kid who shall remain nameless. Um... But I, I almost wish I could tell about this guy because he was a hell of a character. And he would just crack me up, man. Well, you could just tell about his character uh, rather and leave out the name. Let me just say this. I'm not sure if I ever met the real... We'll just call him... We'll call him James. I don't okay. think I ever met the real James. He always mm. had on... He, 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 the closest I would describe it is... Did you ever see the movie Dodgeball? Yes. You remember Ben Stiller's like bad guy character that he does in a few movies? <laughs> yeah. he, he, it was like that, dude. It was like it, it, even the voice kind of sounded like this, you know, <laughs> kind of talk like this. I remember like one thing he said. He one day he, he goes, "You like tapatio? I put tapatio on everything. It's a hot sauce." And he grabs a bowl of ice cream. He goes, I'll put Tapatio on this fucking ice cream. And he just starts eating it and look at me in the eye. It was so weird. 
<laughs> you would just do weird shit like this all the time, and it was super funny. And I remember uh, one time before this happened, he actually picked me up. He goes, Nate, come here. I'm going to throw you. And he grabs me, and he spins me around like Mario with Bowser, and he throws me into a wall, and I break through the drywall. Oh, my God. The guy was just a – he was like I said, he's super strong, just a real character. And so I'm on his shoulders, and surprisingly, the foot race went fine. Nobody fell or anything. And I'm about to get down, and he, like, grabs my legs and lifts me up over his head instead of having me get down from the back like you normally would on someone's shoulders. I guess he just thought he was stronger than he was, and he tries to lift me up and, like, set me down in front of him. And as he, he like gets me over the front of his head. I don't know if you if, if you all can kind of envision what I'm talking about here, but imagine, you know, your arms forward at a sort of 90 degree angle. You're not in a very biomechanically strong position there. And so when he gets me there, his arms kind of give out and they buckle a little bit and he kind of rotates me in the air to the point where as I fall, I rotate where my back is flat towards the ground. And I landed on this, like, tree root sticking out of the ground. Oh. And, you know, not, like, straight up out of the ground, but, like, a hardened root ridge that's coming up out of the ground. Yeah. And it hit me directly in between the my spine and my pelvis bone on the right side, like the hip bone back there. Right yeah. in between those two. And if the the doctors who worked on me told me that if I had if it had hit my spine, that would it would have been all over. I would have been paralyzed. Yeah. And I actually was. Well, I, I'll I'll get into it as the story progresses. So I get the wind knocked out of me, but I don't feel it right away. So uh, at first I'm just like ooh, and I, I remember hearing everybody go ooh because they just heard this like. <laughs> like this thump when I hit the ground. Yeah. And, you know, this guy's probably, he's definitely, he was definitely over six foot tall. So, you know, I'm falling about a six foot height directly on my back onto this root. Oh, God. And I, I'm, I'm kind of laying there. I get up and I'm all right. I get the wind knocked out of me, but, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel fine. And I'm kind of walking around a little bit, and I'm like, you know, my leg kind of hurts. And one of my friends is like, well, here, I'll stretch you out a little bit. And so I lay down on my back, and he, like, starts to, like, stretch my leg. And so just a, just a, just a little quick spoiler here. What had happened is that that fall had broken my pelvis. And during that moment, I was I was um internally bleeding inside um like the envelope of my pelvis and so obviously whenever you get, receive a, a major physical trauma like that your body floods the area with endorphins so you can kind of like get to safety so at first i didn't feel it but as the endorphins start to wear off, as the swelling increases, as the internal bleeding happens, it begins to put pressure on like my sciatic nerve and, and all that. Whew. And it actually developed a large 
like blood clot kind of thing. Luckily, it wasn't in like an artery. It was just like this sort of scar tissue mass. Not really scar tissue, but it's the... I don't know all the medical terms for it. I'm just trying to describe what happened. It was basically like a pocket. Yeah, like congealed blood. Yeah, it wasn't well, it wasn't congealed. That was what ended up saving me like a major surgery was that it was still like mm. liquid and draining. So okay. it didn't it didn't okay. harden into like a hardened blood clot. Um Okay. And so as it as that swelling progressed, I started to feel like a a pain. And this was maybe 15 20 minutes after the after the fall happened. And I tell one of my friends, I go, guys, I think you need to take me to the nurse. And they're like, really? Like, did it hurt that bad? And I was like, dude, there's something wrong. And I need you to take me over to the nurse. And so they start to like kind of limp me over there and I'm holding onto their shoulders. And the nurse is maybe three, 400 yards away. And in between the time of me going from that spot and being like, I'm feeling weird, guys. Like, you need to take me over to the nurse. And the time I get to the nurse's door, I'm literally, like, screaming in pain. Like, freaking out. Yeah. And they can't, fig- they can't like, get a straight answer out of me at this point. So they're not sure what happened. My friends are like, he just fell! You know, they're not sure what happened. Nobody knows what the fuck happened. I can't explain it. All I can explain is that my leg feels like somebody just replaced my blood with molten lead. And the whole leg just felt like it was on fire from the inside. It was fucking oh. ridiculous. I've never felt Whoa. anything like it before or since. It was unimaginably painful. Whoa. And it was to sev- like several degrees of magnitude worse than any other pain I've ever felt. And mm. so they, you know, <laughs> I got to... I got to feel a little bit of, of like patience with them because like I said, they just didn't know what was going on. I was a 15 year old kid. Sometimes kids can be over, overly dramatic, but they didn't call an ambulance. First of all, they throw me in the back of one of the vans and they drive me to the hospital. Then when I get to the hospital, this is where I get kind of pissed off about this story. And I've had to do a little work about like, you know, not holding a uh, a major grudge because I don't really think it ended up like it didn't end up like causing me any more permanent issues. It just was it just caused me more suffering in the moment. Yeah. So I get to the hospital. The doctors bring me into the ICU and the doctor who's working with me. He shoots me with some morphine and basically tries to get some answers out of me. What's wrong? And all I can really get out is like my leg, my leg, my leg is on fire. Like I'm freaking the fuck out. And so what they do is they x-ray my leg. But mind you, the break is in the pelvis. So they only x-ray my leg. And they say, well, we don't see a broken leg. And the doctor ends up saying, I think you just have a real bad muscle pull. And I'm like grabbing oh him and being like, God. I've pulled muscles before. This isn't that. And yeah. he shoots me again with morphine. And then he sends me home with a little bottle of Demerol pills. And I go oh back to the God. camp. And um, oh. I actually, this is. So he doesn't even, dude, uh, just real quick. Like, so he doesn't even look at your, at your body. Nope. Like he doesn't, doesn't touch you. He doesn't. Shoots me oh in the ass God, with morphine, dude. x-rays my leg, sends me home. My God. And 
so I get back to the camp, and I, this is actually kind of a funny aside, but it was it was a nightmare scenario for me in the moment. Um, at this point, it's getting night. It's basically night. It's like close to bedtime. And the guys who I'm in the cabin with, they get the word. Well, the doctor just says he pulled his leg. So uh, everybody's like, oh, he's just... He's just whining. He's just being a baby. And so for the next, for the whole night, I'm laying there. And I don't know if you, if the listeners, if any of y'all have ever taken like a, a heavy opiate like that. Demerol is like a, a, a sort of, it's similar to morphine. But he gives you opiates for a pulled muscle. Yeah. No, not just, what he not just is like a, a Vicodin or a fucking. Um, oxycodone, like Demerol pills are what you give like gunshot victims and shit. Um, Dude, what the fuck? And it makes you extremely nauseous. So all night, I'm going back and forth between the worst pain I've ever felt and then horrible, horrible nausea and just puking. And I'm like moaning in pain all night. And the guys who I'm in the cabin with are like, Nate, shut up. Like, <laughs> they're pissed off at me because they just oh think I pulled my gosh. leg and I'm just being overly dramatic. And later on, I actually had the guys like, dude, I feel so bad for that night. Like, I didn't know. And, I, you know, I, obviously I'm like, dude, it's okay. But they were pretty mean to me in, like, this moment of, like, horror. So it was really oh. fucked up. So the next morning, I get up, and now that I've taken the um, the pills for a night, um, the nausea has subsided a little bit, and then they end up getting me like some uh, this stuff called fenugreek, which is an anti-nausea pill. Um, so then I'm on the pain medication, and I don't have the nausea, and I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, but I couldn't walk, so I'm in a wheelchair, and. You know, the, everybody's just giving me shit. Like, everybody I know at the camp is giving me shit. And I'm still trying to explain, like, guys, I don't think that doctor was right, man. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, like, all fucked up and trying to, like, defend myself on a bunch of Demerol. <laughs> but luckily, the next, that, that day was the day that we were all going home. Mind you, there's not really any service up here. We're on a mountain. So I get on the bus to go home. And then I deal with the fucking five and a half hour bus ride home. All the while, I'm just sitting in this bus chair, like in agony. <laughs> oh my god! And as soon as we make it back into service, I call my mom, and they, my mom had heard the, you know, the camp called her and told her they they took me to the hospital, but they told her, well, the doctor said it's just a pull. So when I get back in service, I call my mom, and I'm like, mom. Like, we had a really good friend um, who was a doctor in town. And I said, you need to call her. You need to call the doctor. And you need to tell her to meet me at the hospital. And my mom could tell, like, we were super close. And um, she could tell there was something wrong. So she calls a doctor, says there's something wrong with Nate. You know, he, the doctor said it was just a pull, but there's something wrong. And the doctor meets us at the hospital and I, I get off the bus and I'm just like, take me to the hospital right away. And so they throw me in the back of the of our expedition and I make it to the hospital and they 
you know, she, the doctor starts asking me what happened and I tell her the whole story and what she does, since she's an actual good doctor, is she puts me in an MRI machine and <laughs> not for very long, mind you, it didn't hardly take any time at all. They basically saw the image immediately took me out and put me in the ICU. And then mm. that's whenever she explained like, yeah, he's bleeding internally. He has massive hemorrhaging and like, we need to put him in the ICU right away. And I spent the next two weeks or so in the ICU. I, mean, I think it was maybe 10 days that time. And then I get out, I go home and at, at this point I'm completely paralyzed in my right leg. So there's zero feeling. So um, my parents actually set up our living room. Our downstairs living room is like my living space for a while. So I'm hanging out there for about two or three weeks. And uh, Will was actually here for this one. This is a strange one. Um, I'm hanging out with him in the living room. My mom's the only one who's home. My dad's out of town. And all of a sudden... I feel this familiar feeling coming on and I'm like, will go get mom, go get my mom right now. And by the time he, my mom was coming back, I was like, ah, like freaking out. And what was happening was that I had a major muscle spasm that just like retore all this muscle in my, or not retore, but it basically tore a shitload of muscle in my thigh. Whoa. It was like a severe, it was caused by like the damage to the nerve. And um, so my muscle kind of tore itself apart through spasming. And so they took, they put me in the back of the expedition again. And I was freaking the fuck out to the point where I actually like tore the upholstery off of the roof of the van. And I was like tearing apart the seats and the upholstery and shit. They had to like, <laughs> I feel bad. They had to go like get the fucking car repaired. And I'm freaking out. And somehow, I actually, based on my memory, I actually remember the second time being the worst pain. And I think it was just because I didn't have any endorphins or anything flowing in me. It was just like hmm. muscle just... And I don't even know how, how it worked. But after I spent another two weeks in the ICU after that. Jesus. And whenever I got out, my leg was or I, I maybe you know a couple of weeks later my leg was so atrophied that it, it looked like i had been paralyzed for years in that leg it was it, 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 at the most it was half the size of my left leg whoa and so i was in a wheelchair for the next probably month and a half maybe two months um spent the first days of uh my sophomore year in a wheelchair um, actually, you know what? Now I, I have to, I have to step this back one. I was actually in eighth grade going into my freshman year because now that I think right. about it, I was my first days of high school were in a wheelchair. Okay. And that's when I was 15. I turned 16 between my freshman and sophomore year. Um, and, uh, it, my, my legs slowly started to get a little feeling back into it. And, uh, after a couple of months I was able to put a little bit of weight on it and kind of move it a little bit and crutch around. So um, pretty soon after I started high school, I was able to get into some crutches. 
And um, unfortunately, because I was still growing, the the damage to the nerve, which was permanent, I still have about 50% feeling like on the surface of my leg on the right side uh, compared to the left side. But the damage that was done to the leg um, stunted my growth on that side. So my right mm. leg is a little over a half inch shorter than my left leg. And as many of you can po probably imagine, um, due to the both the the actual complications of, of permanent nerve damage, having all that muscle atrophy, and also having my, my right leg shorter than the left leg, now it just fucks my body up. Like over the over the course of, you know, that was uh, um, thirteen years ago. So over the course of these thirteen years, it has just like spread out and caused problems all over my body. So I'm like riddled with chronic pain, and um, it can mostly be traced back to that. And my movements are are very clunky. I um I I, I have a general like limp or a, kind of a lurch that I walk with for my right leg being shorter. And it's difficult, like if I'm doing squats and deadlifts, oftentimes I'll put like a like a little towel underneath my right foot or something like that because it's difficult to engage the muscles on my right leg at the same strength as the muscles on my left leg. And it's um, it often just hurts for no reason, especially in the morning when I like get out of bed. It's just like fucking excruciating sometimes. But... Um, so that's the story. So to get into like the implications of what that's done in my life, um, obviously it's, it's pretty rough. It's pretty difficult to live with, with, um, all that chronic pain and, you know, just kind of the, the results of a freak accident and they're never going to go away. It's, it's permanent. I can't grow my bones more on my right leg. The nerve damage is permanent. Unless, you know, there comes out some incredibly advanced medicinal techniques that they're going to give me for free. And, and even then, even if I was to somehow magically get a new healed perfect leg, it's st it would still take me many, many years to rehab my whole body into, like, normalcy. So... I manage it with a combination of chiropractic, yoga and stretching, massage. I do a lot of self-massage, um, but it's it's only manage manageable. You know, I can get maybe if I'm really good about it, I can get up to about fifty percent reduction in pain, and that's if I'm like being very disciplined and working on it every day. So right now, I haven't really been, and I've I've been really struggling. Um, because I'm, I'm at most of my full pain level right now. But it, it really ties into everything that we've been talking about. I have a lot of compassion for people who have physical pain issues. Um, for somebody who has a, who doesn't have that, or, you know, I think every, most people have some aches and pains, especially in the West. But like the, the level of physical pain that a lot of people are going through is is difficult to imagine for somebody who has like a generally healthy body and the psychological mm. effect of just 
every single day never goes away. It's like a constant companion that you <laughs> that you hate. And there's like definitely some days when I get very discouraged because I'm in so much pain. And I like I would love to, you know, I've got as I've spoken about it a little bit before, I've got the hernia, which by the way, hernia if you draw a straight line in between a straight line through my body perpendicular to like the ground or I guess parallel with the ground perpendicular with my spine it would pass through the injury site and where I have my hernia so I'm pretty sure that that's related that whole area in there is weakened and that's that's why I've had this is my second hernia in the same spot um it's it can be very discouraging to not be healthy and to to have like a constant reminder of this pain and obviously pain sucks nobody likes pain mm. but um i've also joked with people that my injury taught me more than going to high school did mm. and it's true it really is um that's more just a dig on on high school, on high school, you know, on Arizona public schools. (laughs) I'm making a joke there. I, I genuinely liked Sedona high school and I'm extremely thankful for my time there. But the, the point being is that I have learned and grown a lot from this injury and dealing with it and getting through it. Obviously I've had to learn to like not hold grudges against various people. I can't hold grudges against old Jimmy who uh, who dropped me. And you know it was funny. By the way, you know what he said apparently once, or no, not even apparently. He said this to me. He goes, Nate. You know that's the only thing I've ever felt bad about in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, but I had to forgive the the people who were being mean to me the night of because in the next day because they they you know the doctor gave them the wrong call then obviously hardest of all is i have to forgive that asshole doctor who fucking didn't take the time to you know try and and figure out what was wrong with me and that's you know that's a good exercise to have and then i honestly would have never began doing yoga or probably just never would have done it if I didn't have all this pain. Like there's a mm. real, there's a reason for me to do it. Otherwise I would have just, you know, thought, ah, oh, I can stretch. I'm flexible. But I, I started doing yoga to try and manage my pain level. And obviously I learned that there's a million other benefits and I, I love to do it for many other reasons. And, um, you know, I've, I've, learn to take care of my body in a physical way you know um there's there's just a lot of things that have that i have learned that um that i've sort of overcome that have made me a better person that would have never come about if i didn't have to deal with all this so Mm. you know and then there's also just a general aspect of this happens to a lot of people who, who get into kind of freak accident things, like a sort of why me attitude. Right. Like, why am I the person that has to deal with this suffering? 
and that is I've gotten into that that modality a lot over the years like why why am I the guy why am I the one who's dealing with this and that is a whole nother thing to to work against and it's it's mm-hmm. a it's an insidious and subtle attitude that will will pop up over and over again if you've been through some some serious trials and you and you have a lot of suffering because of it and um you know the acceptance of the suffering is a is such a strong such a powerful thing to do and and if you can really over time over repetition if you can get into that place where you're totally acceptant of of things which i am for most of the stuff in my earlier past like that like the vast majority of days i'm my the injury doesn't like upset me it doesn't bring down my my um my feeling of well-being some days it, it whenever the pain's really bad or just whenever i'm already down and i'm kind of in that self-pity mode then it kind of pops up in that way but for the most part um it doesn't bother me in that way hmm. and that is an extremely powerful and cathartic place to be in is like yeah I've been through this incredible difficulty and here I am. I'm just fine. I'm not letting it. Yeah. I'm not letting it defeat me. And it's mm. very empowering and it makes it, it, it can, um, it can help you feel confident about the trials in the future that you can't predict. You know, I've been right. through that. I can get through whatever else is going to come. Mm. So, do you have any responses or should I just keep on ranting? <laughs> um, I mean, I think I, I, I don't feel like there's uh, much, much more for me to say on, on that note. I mean, I think you, you elucidated your points very clearly and uh, it was a good, it was a great story. I appreciate you thank you for sharing absolutely i've got and, a i've uh, got a million of them bro yeah oh i know <laughs> <laughs> we'll have some other story times where i'll, where I'll tell of my strange life mm. but i didn't really leave you a whole lot of space to tell a story um i mean i can Did just have one? i have a i have like a pretty quick pretty quick example perfect uh that is like hurry it up be snappy okay we don't have a lot of time (laughs) it actually i think it i can it it doesn't need like a like a it doesn't need much of a like introduction it's a pretty Mm -hmm. quick one but it's it's interesting because it's it's just completely and utterly different than your story in so many different ways so it's kind of uh it's cool that they're just like yeah this is another another example of like working through uh a traumatic and and this is a it's a little bit different because um like the trauma this is more of a story of working through a past trauma that was triggered in uh later on 
like so i'll i'll explain more but basically um yeah like so for me and i think this is this is really really common but uh so i i've done quite a bit of work on past traumas like i've done some different work with like yeah like inner child stuff and um yeah, we've talked about a lot of this different kind of stuff before, like the condition, the familial and cultural conditioning and working through that kind of stuff and just, yeah, working through the, the traumas of childhood in general. And, but what was super, and like one of the things that came up for me, which is common for a lot of people is, um, one, there's like this issue of self-worth. So this like feeling of unworthiness, like not not being um, worthy of being loved, which is really common for, uh, yeah, you know, it's like abandonment kind of issues. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of that right now because that's kind of a, yeah, that just requires a whole... Then it would be topic. a big, then it would be a big, big story. But um, that's like the general idea. This is almost everybody has to deal with like these kinds of feelings to some degree or another. But anyways, it was really interesting. Uh, I was at a, I was volunteering at this uh, this festival or this this really cool community here in Sweden that hosts festivals. Uh, they do, um, yeah, they were hosting, it's like a, like a spiritual community. They host like, uh, there's like a festival for yoga and there's one for Tantra and there's, they, they have different ones. It's just a place for people to gather and explore, uh, explore themselves, I guess. But, um, and I, I had become very infatuated with a young woman who was also volunteering. Uh, we were spending a lot of time together, and it was just super fun. We we had a we had a really good rapport going. We we're having a great time, just hanging out and laughing and joking, and um, yeah, it was it was really nice. And I I started to like develop stronger. Uh, feelings for her and at a certain point I kind of like opened up and let her know how I felt like I, I wanted to kind of take it to the next next level like I was very attracted to her and um, you know she she was going through her own process at that time and she basically wanted to she, yeah she had her own thing going on and she wasn't like ready she didn't want to open pandora's box in that way cuz we all know what can happen when you when you uh like start getting uh sexual with somebody that you're interested in it just it opens up a whole nother world and like she was there for personal uh, personal development basically yeah. so she like she wasn't ready to or she wasn't interested in in pursuing that and it was really really interesting what happened 
to me because we were, I mean, just the fact that we were having this conversation and that I had, I had opened up to her like that already for me was a really, that was like a big moment because that was something that I had struggled with a lot in the past is uh, being vulnerable and honest and clear about how I felt about women that I, that I were, that I was attracted, that I, women that I was attracted to, was attracted to. Um, So that had been like a big thing. I was always scared to uh, like be clear and be vulnerable in that way. So already it was like a big thing for me to open up. And I was like, I felt like that felt really, really nice to open up. But then I was rejected. You faced your fears and the fears won. Yes, I faced my fears and I and my biggest fear, which was of being rejected. Yep materialized right in front of my eyes and this is what's so weird dude like as i started to feel the rejection this is actually really fucking out there but what happened is i as i started to feel that i and i started to weep I, I didn't try to run away or I didn't try to like pretend or get mad. Yeah. I started to weep. Started to cry, huh? And I felt I this was so weird, dude. I literally encountered this this was all happening in my I had a vision and I encountered a young child who was myself and he was crying he was abandoned and he didn't feel worthy of love and he was sitting sitting there in the position that I was in and he was crying and what I was able to do is like as this was so weird this was a the, a technique that I had Uh, picked up from researching this and from doing some work uh, with it before but it just happened without me be like doing I wasn't really doing it consciously but what happened was I was able to approach my inner child and and comfort him and and tell him and show him how much I loved and cared about him in that moment and it was so fucking powerful that experience like it was it was absolutely a a healing experience for me and i it was it was beautiful cuz i didn't feel any shame that i was crying in front of this woman like i was i was completely i didn't have any pity for myself I didn't, I wasn't embarrassed. I was taking care of myself in that Mm -hmm. moment and of this part of myself that, that was so deeply hurt and, and needed love. Uh, and I was able to show compassion and love for myself in that moment, my adult self taking care, supporting and loving my child self 
It was fucking amazing, dude. It was one of the most like trippy and beautiful things that's ever happened to me. And our- and it all came from it all came from me allowing myself to be vulnerable in this thing that I was so goddamn terrified of. Well, you know, one of our favorite quotes around here is the treasure you most desire lies behind the door you most fear to open. Yeah, that's a that's the idea, right? That's the idea. <laughs> you also had one other good quote that I think um I think we can end on. So, why don't you give us a why don't you give us the quote that you uh that you told me earlier to wrap up the day? All right. So this, yeah, this relates really to everything that we've been talking about today. And it is a tree whose branches a tree whose branches reach heaven has roots that go down to the depths of hell. Oh. That's a good one, man. That's a good one. So don't be afraid of your fear. <laughs> don't be afraid of your fear. Don't be afraid of your uh, negative emotions and experiences. Embrace them. Accept them. Become friends with them. And um, weirdly enough, you'll end up being a lot happier. Yeah. I mean, one more one more thing I'd like to say is that so courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the willingness and the ability to act in spite of our fear. That's right. So it's not about not being afraid. I was fucking terrified. Yeah. Uh, when I opened that door, I was I was absolutely terrified. But I acted in spite of my fear, which I was unable to do for years and years and years up until that point. Beautiful. All right, man. Well, that's it for the day. Thanks again, everybody. We love you. We will see you soon. Goodbye. There you are, folks. Another fine episode of Casual Cognition. Thanks again for joining us. This is our last episode before Christmas, so Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of you out there. And we are just so excited to see you in the new year, which will hopefully be an improvement on this one. Well, that's it, everybody. We will see you next week.